Welcome to the Teaching History, Politics, and Stuff podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Elizabeth Evans. I'm completely passionate about curriculum, history, the social sciences, and all the other things in between. I love helping teachers by giving strategies to make lesson planning easier and resources to be your best self. I'm a National Board Certified Social Studies teacher with over 18 years of experience. I've met some incredible people in my life who will have a lot to share, and I cannot wait to have them as guests on my podcast. As James Madison once said, the advancement and diffusion of knowledge is the only guardian of true liberty. Thanks for joining me today. Let's learn. Hi friends, and welcome back to the Teaching History, Politics, and Stuff podcast. Today I'm going to talk to you about a sample schedule that I used when all the online stuff happened, and I know that a lot of schools are still kind of shifting back and forth with this. So this is one of the things that I learned um, early on in my career and used it for a while, um, especially when we were transitioning to Common Core Standards and then away from Common Core Standards. Um, But when I got the news last year that we were not going back, um, I tried to figure out how I was going to still teach a class, but also not overwhelm my students because being in a classroom setting is very different than being virtual. And so I wanted to create an easy way, one, for my students to know what was coming up. Um, It created a very predictable schedule for them. And also for me, you know, when I get really overwhelmed, one of the things I try to do is simplify things um, and remind myself that I can do less and actually end up getting more from it. I had very unrealistic standards when I first went into virtual learning of myself and of my students and quickly, quickly changed them. I wanted my students to be active in their education. I wanted them to be engaged, even in this online environment. So I have written a post on it. Um, It is on my blog, Teaching AP Government, and it is called um, Using a Sample Schedule. And I will actually link it in our show notes here. But I did want to go through it. This might not be something that you can use every week because no system is ever perfect. Um, one perfect doesn't exist. It's this construct in our head. One of the things that I'm really just kind of firm on, especially for me in my classroom, and now I do want to put a disclaimer here, that you are the expert in your classroom and you know what works for your classroom. So if this is something that you get pieces from, great. If this is something that right now doesn't work, great. Put it in your toolkit. It might work for you later. So the first thing is to focus on skills first. Um, I know that we really get caught up in this content monster. I have so much content to teach. I don't know how. Use that content and those skills together. Um, One of the things, you know, I really noticed of the 2020 test and just in general is this focus on skills. So if you can teach skills to students they can utilize those. And yes, content is important, but you really 
need to, again, especially in an environment where things can be Googled or you can have them listen to podcasts or other ways to get content so that you can utilize that time in class um, differently is just another way to do it. I very much, again, am a writer. I love teaching my kids how to write different things. I had the benefit of being an English teacher uh, for three years, which really, really helped me. As you're lesson planning, really observe the lesson plan and, and try not to be in a judgmental place, whether that's judgmental good or judgmental bad or saying, you know, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do this. Just stopping, looking at your lesson plan and saying, what am I teaching? So what exactly is it that I need to teach? If you're using the um, CED to plan, if you're using standards, what is it that I have to teach? The second question is, how am I going to teach it? Am I going to lecture? Am I going to have them do a writing assignment? Am I going to have them listen to something or watch a video? How are we doing this? And then the last question, and this is always a question to ask yourself, why am I teaching it this way? Am I teaching it this way because this is something that's really worked in the past? Am I teaching it this way because it's just easy Am I teaching it this way because it's really engaging for the students? And again, you're looking at it non-judgmentally because you could look at a lesson and answer all these questions and be like, this was really great. I'm going to keep it. And this is something that I'm just going to make small tweaks to as I move forward. But I really liked this. When you're looking at an online environment or a hybrid environment or even your in-person environment, rigor is one of those buzzwords or those educational jargon where I think a lot of people maybe don't have a good working definition. For me, it always meant higher level and deeper content or deeper skill, you know, looking at how these skills translate, how we can take skills and build upon them. Not necessarily, I'm going to give you more work and we're going to move through it faster. Looking at what your standards are, not only your standards of your students, but what are your standards for yourself? This is not an environment. I mean, I went to college a long time ago. I was basically in college from 1999 to 2003 for my bachelor's. And then I got my master's in 2005 and I was never taught how to do this. So I really had to give myself a lot of grace in learning what does an online environment look like? I already know how to teach. I'm a teacher. I know how to do this. So how can I translate that into an online environment um, that's really just going to work? So I'm going to go through my sample schedule and what that kind of looks like. And again, there were times where I used it for a couple weeks and then I had to shift because other things happened. It just really helped me focus. Um, I would pick an objective for the week. I don't it's really hard because we're teachers of social sciences and history and government and especially AP government. There's so government happens every day. Politics happens every day. And it's hard not to get caught up in. Let's talk about this. Let's do all of these things. And I mean, in doing that, you lose a lot of time. And I think that there is value in it. But if we're teaching kids skills, they should be able to hear news 
or read something and utilize those skills, utilize that critical thinking and asking questions and looking at biases and understanding, well, this government employee did X, but from what I understand of the Constitution, you know, this is valid, this is not, here's some precedents. And we want to really just teach them how to be engaged citizens of our country. Um, so the first thing really I do is look at the CED, um, the course and examination description is CED, and look at what am I teaching today? What are the skills? So on that first day for me, it is how do they get the information? So whether it's a live stream of a lecture, a recording, a podcast, a webinar, um, OpenStax has some really great government stuff. There's so much out there that we're just gathering knowledge. We're setting a foundation for this objective. We're not going super deep into it yet, but it is here is what we're learning this week. Let me set a floor for you so that we can kind of build upon this. I personally was never somebody who liked assigning uh, reading out of a textbook because to ju just be honest, they never did it. Um, even if I gave reading quizzes, it's just not how, again, this is what worked in my classroom and yours might be different. It just didn't work. That's not what they did. And I found that podcasts or webinars, you know, these are the things that worked a little more or even the lectures. They liked them because A, I tried to keep them short and B, it was interactive. So if they had questions in the moment, they could ask them. Um, I didn't use textbooks, A, because a lot of the time they were outdated, um, or I didn't have enough books, books couldn't be home, there was just so many problems with it. Day two was always a reading day. Lucky, luckily for us, we have tons of primary sources. You can use um, excerpts, you can use things from a DBQ. And I would have them read. Um, and I've seen some really amazing things online from teachers who want their students to be reading and have the ability to have them online. So if they have questions, they're in a room with questions or they're in a room with break, breakout groups. And that is something that is super valuable to students. So we always did three reads of the whatever reading we were doing. So the first read was just read it. We're not highlighting, we're not writing, we're just reading because again, we're trying to get this foundation. Sometimes it was a quick scan. It just kind of depended. Um, if it's longer documents, I would give them my annotations, especially with things like the Federalist Papers or the letter from a Birmingham jail, I had already read these and annotated them myself. So a lot of the times I gave them my annotations already to set them up for success. The second read, going through, circling vocab you don't know, highlighting, writing questions that you have. Again, I'm not expecting my students to know everything on the second read. We're digging into the document because I'm teaching them these skills. The third read really asks them two questions. What did you learn? And what questions do you still have? Because again, I don't expect them to know everything, especially as we look at older documents or more complicated documents. You know, in the Federalist Papers, they're using language that we don't necessarily use anymore. So there becomes a lot of questions 
Um, and I go through this with them because I, every time I read it, I find something different and I want them to understand that that's to be expected when you read these from different lenses or you talk about them with people, you start to notice different things. In that third read, when they're answering the question, what did you learn or what questions do you still have? I have them bring them to their Socratic discussion or to their group discussions, which is going to be our next day. Again, this is something I heavily model at first until I can see that they understand how to utilize these skills to get the most out of their reading. So day three is the Socratic discussion or class discussion, small group discussion, however you want to do it. Um, if you have a lot of documents, you can always split up the documents. Uh, usually you, you have these when you have a DBQ. Even though DBQ is very much an AP U.S. history thing, I think it is vital and important for AP government and for social studies in general because it gives them excerpts of documents and kind of helps guide them. If you have those, my suggestion would be to split them up and create expert groups. Um, if you do that, I do have another post that I will make sure that I connect in my show notes about Socratic discussion in a virtual world. Um, it's just, it's important for kids to be able to talk it out, to ask questions. Um, I noticed, and I always let my students know this as a professional, when I go to professional developments, um, it was nice to be in an environment where you could say, I didn't really understand what the author was saying here, or, hey, I hear what you're saying. This is kind of how I read it. And really just discover the document again together because everybody's looking at this document with different lenses. They might have different questions that you have or even questions that you hadn't even thought of. And those kinds of things are really, really important to the learning, to the skill base. Day four for me um, was always writing. Now I am not talking about full essays I very rarely gave full essays because I feel like that is asking somebody who is training for a marathon to run it and then correct everything that they did wrong. Um, when you're training for a run, you don't actually do that. And so for me, that's something I always talked with my students about is, you know, your AP exam or just life in general is your race. I'm here to train you for that and to find where you're kind of missing things within your training period. And I use that in quotes so that we can help you become a better writer, become a better speaker. And that kind of stuff will, you know, come out in your later life or come out on your AP test. One of the most popular posts I have is about writing argumentative thesis statements. Um, I will, again, put it in the show notes. But I utilized a very simple formula with my students, and it was something that we spent quite a bit of time on, is how you're writing argumentative thesis statements. You know, if you're doing that, what documents are you using? And really talking through it, because if they don't have a good thesis statement, the rest of their writing doesn't matter. It can be really great writing and all correct, but if it doesn't answer the question or doesn't follow the prescribed rubric, they're not getting those points. So that is something, you know, we would go through the rubric and we would talk about these and looking at these different concepts, or I would have them write, um, 
you know, when we're looking at FRQs, like the concept analysis or the SCOTUS, having them do all right round robins where everybody starts with a piece of paper um, and they kind of trade it. And at the end, they all there's four or five, depending on how big your groups are, papers that they've all contributed to. And then they're looking at, okay, which one of these is the best and why is it the best and group grading and a lot of these different, you know, ways to be a teacher of writing. And then the kind of day five or that last day was always a flex day for me. If I noticed that students really struggled with uh, the writing or the reading, maybe we needed to go back or if they, you know, really got everything I would let them play an iCivics game because they love iCivics game. Even if they're eighth graders, they're seniors, they love that. Especially if, you know, one of the things that was my favorite to do was win the White House. And so I would tell them, I'm going to play along with you. I'm not going to grade. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to play. And sometimes I put my screen up on the big screen for them. I'm going to play and I want to see if you can beat me. And I'll give you, you know an extra credit pointer or just something silly enough that is going to get them involved. And sometimes they just like saying they, they could beat their teacher. Um, another thing to do is office hours. So you might have students that are really struggling, need that individual help with writing or need to go into a smaller group and talk about the document again. And sometimes you just need a day to check in. And that's what that flex day is. The flex day is also the day that there is an internet outage, the day that there is a field trip or, you know, all of these other things that kind of mess with our day. And that's just being a school teacher. We wish we could have all this uninterrupted time, but that's just not the reality of the situation. Again, this is just a sample of how it can work. I'm going to put this blog post in my show notes for you. You know, right now, everybody is doing the best that they can. And I hope that this podcast and the post helps you simplify your planning. It sparks an idea. It helps you organize. Or it's just something you can put in your back pocket or your toolkit for later. I think that as teachers, we all understand that every semester changes. Every class is different. Um, every hour is different and the ability to have a big toolkit is really helpful in those situations where you have to pivot quickly. And I know that here where I am in Arizona, um, starting off a second semester, teachers had to pivot in a day thinking they were going back and now they're going virtual for two weeks. So whatever can be done to make your life a little bit easier and to enrich and engage your students is really what I'm all about. Thank you again for listening. I hope that this was helpful. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact me. All my contact information um, is at the end here. And I hope that this was super helpful for you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. Please comment, like, and share. Want to connect with me? Find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Liz Evans NBCT and online at teachingapgovernment.com. I'm so glad you joined us today. We'll see you next time.